Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 42, uh, Dr. Luke writes the following. He writes that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And to me, that's significant because uh, what the apostles Uh, laid for us in terms of foundation, in terms of teachings, in terms of doctrine, it's important. uh, Individual Christians don't have the prerogative to stray away from the apostles' teachings. Why? Because God called these men to write down uh, what he wanted them to convey to the world, starting with the family of, of God through Christ and then uh, the universal message that uh, Jesus loves them and uh, he died for their sins. But the teachings are important. And after the apostles, uh, God called other individuals to come after them and to further explain the message uh, based on the foundations that the apostles uh, left for us. And so today's topic is uh, very special in the sense that As Christians, we need to have a good and healthy understanding of those that came before us who contributed to some of the doctrines that many of us take for granted. So many of you may have heard of, uh, for example, the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, we all say the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and some of us are uh, more knowledgeable where we can unpack the mystery of the Trinity. But. There were those who came before us who were able to study the Bible, read the Bible, and really unpack what that doctrine was saying. When it comes to faith, when it comes to reason, uh, there were those that God called that came before us who really uh, grappled with these topics, and God used them to articulate and explain what these doctrines actually meant that we take for granted. So for today's episode, we have a special guest uh, we have a philosopher, uh, author, and theologian, uh, Brother Ken Samples, who's written a book entitled Classic Christian Thinkers. And so we wanted to really get into this because we need to understand our Christian heritage. So, Brother Samples, how are you today? I'm doing well. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for coming on. So uh, in terms of this book entitled Classic Christian Thinkers, What motivated you to start uh, writing on this topic? You know, I I think one of the deep motivations I had is that I I have a lot of evangelical friends, and when they think of theology, they think primarily of Bible study. And and that's good, because in the Protestant evangelical world, we believe that Scripture is the inspired Word of God, it is the final authority— but I, but I think that a lot of times in the evangelical world, we, we don't know that 
theology also involves historical theology, church right. history. And so one of the things I wanted to do um, is to help my evangelical friends to kind of appreciate church history, historical theology, and I thought maybe the way I could do it is introduce it by biographies, that is, introduce some of the people and their stories, their personalities, and maybe hook them in to knowing more about, uh, you know, the great events concerning the Trinity and the Incarnation and church councils and creeds (laughs) and things of that nature. Excellent. So before we get into some of the specifics of the books, uh, there's um, an ideology that I want you to uh, share with our listeners and get your take on it. And there's this false belief that uh, those of us that walk by faith can't also be intelligent enough to practice science. So can you touch on, on that false ideology? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up very much, because I, I, I think what we need to realize is that Jesus calls us to love God with all of our being, with our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. I think what Jesus is doing there is really calling us to say that all of our faculties, all of who we are, needs to be put into the service of our Lord. and. Mm. You know, Christians are often very good with uh, moral virtues. You know, they realize, hey, I uh, I need to try to keep the commandments. I need to be faithful to my spouse. I I need to uh, I need to care about the golden rule. But sometimes we forget that there are also intellectual virtues. Scripture, for example, <laughs> says, "Test all things and hold on to that which is good." Uh, Romans chapter 12, Paul talks about the renewal of the mind. Uh, Acts talks about the idea that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because, you know, they tested the Scriptures. So I would say that Christians need to use the life of the mind in their love of God. And I think, unfortunately, there is kind of anti-intellectualism in some areas of the Church and I think that hurts our witness and, and it hurts our growth ultimately in Christ. Thank you for that. And while we're on this subject, uh, one of the individuals that you highlight in your book is Blaise Pascal. Yeah. And he speaks on this topic, um, especially the highlighted part of your book in terms of is, is science at odds with Christianity. Can you kind of unpack that for us? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think we live definitely at a time in which uh, our culture, our civilization, looks at science and kind of sees it as uh, having a, a privileged position. That is, many people in the world and in the Western culture and the country we live in, they look at science as being kind of the arbiter of truth, <laughs> and um, and some of that is certainly well-deserved. I mean, science has made real contributions. Science and medicine, technology allowed us to live longer, maybe live more healthy lives, given us more information and knowledge about the natural world. But there is also the challenge of, is science and faith at odds? Are they allies or are they enemies? Blaise Pascal, one of the great Christian thinkers of the 17th century, in fact, one of the founding fathers of science, you know, he talked about the the importance of recognizing that 
the Christian faith and science, uh, you know, the the Word of God and the Book of Nature, they both come from the hand of God. That's right. And Pascal was a great scientist, but he also recognized the, you know, the, uh, the, having a heart for God. And so I think he's kind of an ideal person to look to in our times where science and faith are kind of pitted against each other. Excellent, excellent. And the next person that um, I want to highlight, uh, which you talk about in your book, one of my favorite uh, Christian uh, church fathers is Irenaeus and uh, and his contribution to Christian thought. Can you talk about why he he's, should be relevant, uh, re- relevant in our uh, Christian analog? Yeah, Irenaeus goes back very early in church history. His dates are about 130 to 202 AD, so he's only one generation separated from the apostles. The story is that Irenaeus knew Polycarp, and Polycarp was a disciple of, of John, the apostle John. So Irenaeus is one generation removed, and what makes him so significant is he really is a, a first-rate leader of the Christian Church. Uh, by by the second century, there were already heresies that were challenging the truth of Christianity. One of them being Gnosticism. Gnosticism believed that the physical, material world was evil, and only the spirit was good. And salvation was finding esoteric knowledge where the soul could escape the body. Right. Well. Irenaeus stood strong against that heresy. I mean, if Gnosticism is true, that would devastate creation. It would devastate the incarnation, the atonement, the resurrection. If Gnosticism were true, it would make Christianity utterly false. And here you have a very sophisticated Christian church father named Irenaeus who stands up for the Trinity, who stands up for the incarnation, uh, who in many ways has a has a very advanced understanding of these Christian truths. And by the way, uh, the bishop that Irenaeus replaced in Lyon, the previous bishop had been brutally martyred. So, I mean, imagine taking a position in the Christian world where Mm. the previous person had been martyred. Irenaeus was not only a really great thinker, he was a courageous and forward-thinking person. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I really enjoy being able to highlight these contributors to our Christian thought and teachings uh, because we're still dealing with similar uh, groups in terms of heretical groups. And just by revisiting these stories, it, it reminds us what our current obligations are to Christ, which is to stand boldly for the truth uh, that God has given us. So thank you for highlighting uh, the, uh, those biographies. Yeah, very. I'm happy to. I, I hope it'll be encouragement to to people today to realize that. And I like the word you use. We have a great heritage. Amen. Now the next person, I think many of us have heard of him, uh, but I'm not sure how many of us really understand what his total contribution is, uh, or what he should be noted for. And that's Saint Augustine. Can you talk about him? Yeah, Augustine is, uh, he is a very influential thinker. In my opinion, he may be the most influential Christian thinker outside of the New Testament authors. Uh, 
Augustine greatly influenced not only Catholicism, but he influenced Protestantism. Um, you know, people like Thomas Aquinas and Anselm, these are Catholic thinkers who were influenced by Augustine. But, but Protestants like Luther and Calvin and Cranmer, they viewed Augustine as a person who was uh, very significant in uh, communicating Christian truth. Um, Augustine's writings are enormously popular. I mean, if you were in a great books program, you'd be reading the Confessions by Augustine. <laughs> you'd be reading The City of God. And In fact, Augustine is the most prolific author of any ancient writer either Latin or Greek. Mm. And so he casts a huge shadow. I mean, I read the Confessions every year. Um, when, I, when I read Augustine, I don't think of somebody who died 1,600 years mm. ago. I think of him as a friend. I think of him as a mentor. I think of him as a person who teaches me about the Trinity, and, and he teaches me that, that salvation is by grace. It's Amen. not by human works. So Augustine is, uh, he is one of the great Christian thinkers of all time. I appreciate that. I also would like for you to just talk about what Augustine himself wrote about, and and that's his um, transformation from uh, his days when he was rebuffing God's call to him actually uh, being saved and being changed uh, through uh, God himself. Can you talk about uh, that experience that uh, Augustine writes about? Yeah, he has such a marvelous story um, in the Confessions, and the title kind of carries uh, triple meaning, confession of his sin, confession of a newfound faith, and confession to the glory of God. Augustine was born in North Africa, a little city called Tagaste, and you know his mother was a Christian, his father was a pagan, he was a bright bold, very intelligent student, but in his teenage years he rebelled against his, his mother's faith. There's even a story that, you know, him and his friends in the neighborhood stole pears from a, a, a local person, not because they were hungry, but they, they wanted to do something illicit. They wanted to do something sinful. Augustine goes on to become a great rhetorician at Carthage in Rome, later in Milan, but he's searching. Uh, he says, I can't find rest or peace. My, my pursuit of intellectual satisfaction isn't fulfilled. Uh, he joins a, a religious group called uh, the Manichaeans, which was, was kind of a cultic group at the time. And Augustine uh, lives a life of sin um, and ultimately has a great conversion story where the Lord really speaks to him through Scripture and communicates to him that the only place he's going to find rest and peace in life is through faith in Christ. And that's really kind of the central message of the Confessions, that we're made for God. We were made to love and serve God. And if we don't, if we walk in the opposite direction, we will never find ultimate rest and peace. Mm. Thank you for retelling that story. And for those of you that are listening to us, we are on air with uh, Brother Ken Samples. He's written another book called Classic Christian Thinkers. And this particular book, I believe that all of us that are listening need to have it in our library because it highlights in simple terms uh, where it's intelligible those that came before us 
and their contribution to Christian teaching and Christian thought. And it's, it's important because a lot of the uh, heresies that's floating through modern-day churches, uh, they're the same heresies that many of these uh, forefathers dealt with, but we just have different names for them. So I believe that reading this book would edify anyone that's willing to uh, read it and um, make it a part of their uh, daily uh, reading and scholarship. So the next person that um, I'd like for us to talk about, and you kind of uh, brought his name up already, and that's Thomas Aquinas, uh, the the philosopher and uh, the one that really dealt with uh, Aristotelian logic. Can can you uh Tell us more about Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, very good. Uh, Now, we've moved kind of from the era of the Church Fathers, which is kind of from the 2nd to the 5th century. The era of the Church Fathers kind of ends with the death of Augustine in the 5th century. But Thomas Aquinas is born in what we would call the High Middle Ages. Uh, His dates are 1225 to 1274. And he is born in Italy. He's born in the castle. Imagine being born in a castle, quite an experience. Uh, Thomas is a very highly intelligent person. Uh, he's taught by the Catholic priests uh, in the monastery uh, in Monte Cassino, which was a, uh, a, a cathedral that was bombed during the Second World War. Well, Thomas is kind of a shy, introverted, intellectual when he's a young kid, he's kind of teased. They call him the the, the big ox. But um, the truth of the matter is that Thomas may have had the brightest mind of anybody born in Christendom in 2,000 years. And he goes on to become one of the greatest philosophers, not only in, just in the Catholic tradition, but in all of philosophy itself. He develops what he calls the five ways, which are probably the most popular arguments for God's existence. Uh, He writes two books, Summa Theologica and Summa Contra Gentilis, which are powerful critiques of both the Islamic world. He uh, lives at a time in the 13th century in which people began again reading Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher. Mm. Uh, Thomas develops what he calls the Christian Aristotelian synthesis, that is, uh, not everything Aristotle believed was consistent with Christianity, right. but Thomas takes the very positive elements of this brilliant Greek thinker, corrects some areas in which he thought Thomas was wrong, and develops a Christian philosophical system that I think has been one of the most powerful. Now, certainly Thomas is Catholic. He defends certain Catholic distinctives, but there are many Protestants who appreciate his logic, his reasoning, his careful approach, his philosophy is called Thomism. So if you've never read the story of Thomas, if you have never heard of his brilliant contributions to Christianity, I just think you're missing a lot. And so I include him as one of the most important uh, Christian thinkers in my book. I appreciate what you said about Thomas and his ability to uh, synthesize uh, those things from, as you said, uh, Aristotle uh, that were, I guess, harmonious to Scripture and, re- and reject those things that were not har- harmonious to his Christian worldview. Now, how do we, uh, as individual Christians, 
how should we uh, go about looking at those things that may be in the world um, and not anything heretical or anything biblical, but, but how do we how do we take the knowledge from the world and bring it into our Christian worldview? Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a perfect point to make. I, I think Thomas really gave us a, a very excellent example that he didn't reject everything in the Greek philosophical systems. He didn't he didn't simply just reject Aristotle because Aristotle was not Christian or because he was a pagan, but neither did he just swallow it whole. Uh, he went through uh, an appropriation. He looked at it very critically and said, well, of course there are things in Aristotle that are deep understanding. He was, Aristotle was the father of logic. He was arguably the greatest uh, philosopher in the history of the world. But I think what Thomas did for us is he modeled the way we should think about things. I mean, we're going to find things in philosophy, in history, in science, that are very consistent with the Christian worldview, because after all, God made all people in his image. He's given all of us general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God. We're all made in the image of God. And yet there are also false things and false Christs and false ideas that have to be resisted. And so I think Thomas took the right course in recognizing that we shouldn't either fully accept pagan systems but neither should we fully reject them. We have to go through a process of careful analysis. Well, um, I appreciate those words of wisdom. And for this segment, our time has run out. Uh, but for those that are listening, just to recap, uh, this is Brother Ken Samples. Uh, he's our guest, and he's written another book uh, on Christian thinkers, uh, classical Christian thinkers. And I encourage you to get the book uh, as soon as you can and make it a part of your library. And, Brother Samples, where can they get the book? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, you can purchase it through Reasons to Believe. I think it's a little cheaper through Reasons to Believe than it is even at Amazon. That's at reasons.org. It's available in our bookstore. And uh, uh, you can also get it um in Kindle version, if that's what you like on Amazon. Excellent. Thank you again for being with us, and uh, we'll be talking again. Uh, if you would just hold on, uh, we'll be with you in a few seconds. Again, that's Brother Ken Samples, um, author, theologian, apologist. And again, we really encourage you to take a look at the topic of this book. I believe that all believers, uh, Christians, should know not just our doctrine, uh, that's primary, but if someone asks, uh, where are you getting this information from? First of all, our, our primary source is the scriptures. But secondly, God used uh, great thinkers to unpack for us some of these doctrinal messages so we can better understand. And so as scripture tells us, we need to be ready to always rightly divide the word of God. Uh, so we pray that you've gotten the message from today's episode. And remember to do for the truth what so many others do for a lie. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. 
It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.